gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside another episode of Garage Door Sports. We are now on episode 20 here of the podcast. Your hosts, Nick McVicker and Justin Raper. And yes, Justin, I know, one more week and it's legal in the States. You don't have to tell me. I heard it before. Don't worry. <laughs> um, this week, we got a special guest joining us. Uh, Justin's cousin, Jeff, who is now our UFC analyst, or is that, as we're going to call him. Welcome to the show, Jeff. The UFC couch potato, maybe. The couch coach. <laughs> We're going to give you a bit more credit here, man, okay? Just take it and run with it. <laughs> all right, yeah. I, for all you know, I'm uh, the most qualified guy for the job. Oh, 100%. And, uh, yeah, okay. 100% the most qualified. Here. Fake it till you make it, right? That's Fair enough. best way to do it. <laughs> so let's just jump right into it. Uh, Justin, I know you're more of a UFC guy than me, so you lead the way, man. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a little bit of front half of the you know MMA UFC uh, kind of recap. We'll pop into that. You know, that's what we got Jeff on. So we'll go right into it. Starting to UFC 220 just happened uh, this past Saturday in Boston. We had two big title fights. First, uh, first fight was Daniel Cormier versus Vulcan Ozdemir in the light heavyweight title. And uh, Stipe that was a crazy Mi- fight. Yeah, that was crazy. And then uh, the the second fight of the night, the main event was Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou, who is one of the scariest, strongest guys I've ever seen. And that's just looking at him on the poster. Yeah, a poster and in TV doesn't even do it justice. Just oh, that yeah. guy. Take is... a look at his highlight reel, and you're like, oh, okay, this is not a human being that and, I'm dealing with here. And his backstory is crazy. Oh, man, I was I don't even watch UFC, and I knew this guy was scary. Like, yeah, his backstory for you know I don't know all of the details. You may know a little bit more about it, Jeff, but didn't he grew up? Yeah. Uh, so, if there's maybe a couple exercises that one could do throughout their life to gain that much muscle mass and uh, I think this guy definitely did one of them I think starting when he was 14 maybe even younger I don't have this number off the top of my head but he pretty much dug sand all his life the guy was just digging in a sand mine and uh, I guess he showed up to work they gave him a shovel they said down and he just dug and dug and dug and dug and I guess five years ago he was homeless now, and he moved to France where he took up boxing. His coach said, hey, you've got quite a gift here. Why don't you, you know, add some wrestling, some, you know, other aspects of martial arts to your game and try doing MMA. And uh, I guess he just flew up through the ranks, literally flew up through the ranks. And less than one calendar year, he had his title shot. And that's pretty much where he is today, just coming off of that. That's one of the reasons you got to love sports, too, is even in a sport like MMA, just to see a guy go from, you know... Zero to zero. Exactly, straight zero to just representing Cameroon. I think it was Cameroon, right? Cameroon and France. Like, you know, you you never expect to see someone like that make such a historic rise, but when you got talent like that, you know, it's good to see that he got his dues. And and he's, he's got the talent. He just, I think, what he needs to work on is the dedication, so... That, that fight won the full five rounds, and when do you think you started to see Ngannou gas? Like, oh, to yeah. me, it looked like the, the mid-third round, he was... I think even, even a bit and... in the second round, he was. you could tell he was losing it a bit, and then third round, you yeah. could tell it took him, you know, at the end of the round, took him a solid, like, 30 seconds to get up. Well, yeah, if you look at his stats, he's fought in 13 mixed martial arts uh, events. He's 11-2. and two. two losses yeah. by decision. 11 fights not reaching the end all wins yeah i don't think he had a fight go go past three rounds and this he had was, a submission win too and that was just he had he's had four submission wins, which surprises me 
He has four submission wins, seven knockouts, and both his losses are by decision. So if it goes to decision, he's not doing well. But he's not. Yeah, he's not looking too hot by the end of the round, too. I will give him a ton of credit, though. He stuck in there. He was taking a pounding on the fence in the second, third, and you know even a good chunk of the fourth round. But he didn't give up. He got up. You know, was still taking swings, and he was. You know, he's like, if I'm going to lose, you're either knocking me out or you're choking me out. But, yeah, he's. I'm not quitting. He's. He was still trying, absolutely. Um, so a little bit of insider info that I was able to come up with just, you know, from being such a big fan of the sport. I've started, I've met people online and started talking to people and I've eventually made my way into a few circles of people who get some very, you know, I don't want to brag or anything, but they get me some info a little bit closer, a little bit before it is made public. And uh, a couple of days before the fight, I was told by this guy that I'm friends with on Facebook uh, and he writes, and I guess he also has a connection that it does the exact same thing. He was telling me that Ngannou did not train his ground game whatsoever. He was strictly stand-up, and uh, that's what he spent his six-week camp on. He did not go to the ground. There were also some rumors that he was training with the U.S. Olympic men's wrestling team, and they weren't able to take him down. But that, I think, is... Uh, some fake news. That's uh, that's gone. Yeah, I'm gonna call. There's I'm no gonna call some again. BS on that because yes, you know, Stepe's a good wrestler, but he, I don't think he's Olympic quality, and he he just took him down with ease. Oh, he now, took him down in the first couple rounds. He you know had to do a little bit of work to get him down, but after those rounds, you're still lifting a guy that was 25 pounds heavier than him, and he was doing it with Absolutely. ease. Absolutely. So I get that. Like I I I totally un- like I I agree with that. That I don't didn't see much training. In the ground yeah, game from Ngannou, which kind of surprised me because I don't know if you're a big Joe Rogan podcast guy like I am, and he brought up Ngannou absolutely. a lot and how Ngannou is, you know, he says he sees him all the time at that new UFC High Performance Institute. Yep. And kind of surprised me that they wouldn't have, you know, he wouldn't have run to someone that would have said, hey, man, you're, like, you're fighting for a title. you got to have some sort of background. Yeah, you that. need to have the whole package And maybe, maybe he decided, yeah. you know, he wasn't, he, he wanted to focus on the other stuff. And I give him, like, he, I, I'm pretty sure his game plan was, I get one round. If I don't knock him out in a round, I'm in trouble because that's what it looked like. Yeah, exactly. And but we did see that almost happen. It I did. I don't. He landed, I think, thirty shots, and I'd say ten of those shots were just these huge, looping, but just like clubbing shots. He wasn't using his technique. He was just using his brute strength, and he was just ramming Stipe's face with his hands. And there was one good punch, I think, in the second or third round that was maybe millimeters away from hitting the right spot and Stipe would have gone down without a, without a doubt. And Stipe definitely did take it hard. He was injured for sure. But uh, I think he was, he was able to get a takedown. Uh, he was able to gather himself and clinch up, get a takedown. Yeah, like but, if, you look, if you look at the stats from that fight, um, Nganu got 33 of his 126 strikes to hit. 21 of those were significant strikes, though, based off of the thing. Whereas on the other side, Stipe got 200 of his 244 strikes to hit. Oh. And 70 of those were significant strikes out of 95. So Nasty stuff. And 6 nothing takedown for Stipe. My favorite is the control number. Oh, yeah. The control number is... 15 minutes to 2 seconds. Yeah. Wow. Nice and, and close. If you, Actually, the best thing, I'm on the UFC stats site here. And submission attempts, they credited Stipe with 0. And they credited yeah. Ngannou with one submission attempt. <laughs> really? I, do you remember a submission attempt at all? Was. Because I, I don't. Know, I do not. <laughs> I don't. Um, Playing dead. 
plain do, dead, plain possum. Does this make Stipe the greatest heavyweight of all time? That's that is the golden question that I've been battling with in my head for the past uh, two days now. Uh, so yeah, he did get the third win. First, but, first heavyweight to defend the title three times, and that's crazy yeah, in that division. That, but it, always... it was only ever two. No one ever got past two. And the Kane didn't Kane Velasquez. I think Kane Velasquez did it twice. Then Junior Dos Santos did it once. I think in recent history. But that's been the toughest belt to defend. And that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I. You know what? For right now, I'd say I'd like to see him face one more. Like I, to be honest, Ngannou is the poster boy for adversity. If you just look at him, I, I don't think, you know, even though in the press conferences, Steve, they were saying, yeah, you know, I show up and fight. I don't really care who it is. There is no way that any man could go home and not kind of look at himself in the mirror and be like, am I actually going to go through with this? Yeah. Am I going to try and fight this man? And uh, you know what? Steve actually was able to go out and do that. But at the same time, pretty well too. Oh, I'd like to see him do have one more dominant victory like we like we saw on the weekend. And for no doubt, if he was able to do that, I would call him the greatest. Would that maybe be skewed by the fact that some of the sport's greatest were in the heavyweight division? That maybe people have opinions because Randy Couture was a was a light heavyweight and a heavyweight wasn't he? Same thing with Chuck Liddell, wasn't he? Or were those guys light heavyweights? Yep. yep. Right. So I think uh, some, I think they went up and down, didn't they? Went they went. They were in and out of both divisions yeah, for yeah, a bit. They did. Yeah, they did. They did. Right? And sometimes right. you look at that, right? You look at some of those greats, like first ballot, you know, UFC, you know, building blocks. These guys helped to build it to what it was, right? And I think... And, yeah. I Oh, go ahead. I just was going to say, I kind of think along the lines of you that, you know, he's right up there in tie, but be to be the greatest hands down, I think one more title defense. And I think, you know, they were talking about it a lot, you know, how awesome would it be once Cain Velasquez gets healthy for a Stipe Cain fight? If he wins versus Cain, that's it. He's the greatest of all time, hands, hands down. down. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I guess part of my feelings on this also come from the fact that we don't see a whole lot of Stipe. Like, he stays out of the media. He doesn't pretend to be some movie star like you know some UFC champions that I'm not going to say right now, but uh, he he's a really laid-back guy just you know pinnacle of blue-collar work as you know he's the fireman he's you know i don't know if he's a chief or anything but he's a he's a works as a firefighter in uh ohio which is pretty spectacular considering he's also a professional fighter no yeah i, I totally agree and i think sometimes it's good to have an, a little under the radar champ you know not necessarily under the radar but a guy that's not you know has a huge ego you got connor you got well, you know, GSP was kind of like that too. He he was uh, he had the stereotypical Canadian manners and yeah, would never exactly. trash talk, wouldn't swear. Right, like listening to you know when Stipe's on media and things like that. You know he would you know he pumps himself up like he knows he's good and he believes in himself, but it doesn't yeah. go out of his way to you know do social media posts and do all this stuff. He knows he doesn't need that. Yeah, he's not chirping He knows that he's good. He doesn't need thirty thousand people to like a picture to make him feel like he's. You know, important. He knows that he's well. There's a there's a site I was looking at, guys. It's called Fight Matrix, and they rank all time absolute and division wise. Um, he's ranked fifth all time in the heavyweight division right now. They got Fedor Emelianenko, 
some of these like some of these rankings are going to be by like popularity and name and not necessarily uh, to the next results. four are uh, Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira, Fabricio Verdum, Verdum. I always forget Verdum. Whatever. I know. And it's uh, Kane Velasquez. Yeah, that's pretty good company. Mm. Right. That's interesting. That's, that means that's, he's ahead of Junior Dos Santos, Randy Couture. A lot of those have got to be opinion Alistair Overeem. Yeah. Alistair Overeem. Every time you say his name, I just picture a gone who blasting him. He's 11. <laughs> um, Brock Lesnar's 19th. Oh, Brock Lesnar. Okay. Let's pop on to the uh, <laughs> the second. Brock Lesnar. The second fight of the night, which actually got performance of the night for Cormier. The light heavyweight title fight between Daniel Cormier and, and Volkan Ozdemir. I, I really liked what um, Cormier said after the fight um, and how, you know, if people don't, you know, remember to follow UFC a lot, he was a, he was listed as the light heavyweight champion, but he actually lost his last fight. He lost to John Jones in the last title fight, and then Jones got the drug suspension yeah. after, so Cormier was given the title back. Yeah, he was. He was. It was a no contest, and he was given the title. As which he's gone in with the and title, knowing knowing Cormier, he was probably not happy with no, that. No, but he went in thinking, "I'm fighting for a vacant title." Yeah, and a very could, smart mindset. Exactly, absolutely. and you he's, could he's see a smart guy, you right? can see the emotion in his face, and you know, you know, I haven't necessarily I've been kind of even on Daniel Cormier, but after that fight and hearing him talk, and after I, I I'm really becoming a huge fan because, you know, other than the first thirty seconds, I don't know about you, but he dominated that fight after Ozdemir came out flying. After thirty seconds, he ate a few punches, and that was it. Game over. You could tell Ozdemir yep. was no match for him on the ground. Just to, to get someone into a mounted crucifix position, that's I, one of the hardest things. For for you to be able to pin down a 205-pound man and just wallop right hands into his face over and over and over again without him being able to do anything, he wasn't laying there letting him do it. He was trying with all his energy to get him off of him, and he couldn't. Just uh, so to me, that's, that's just so... So spectacular. That's, and as DC said, yeah, there's levels to this game. And Vulcan, he had a great run. He had a good couple string of wins. He, to be honest, looked kind of shaky in his first UFC fight, which, which was on short notice against uh, Ovan Sampra. But uh, after that, he was able to string two very quick knockouts uh, together. Do you think and, he was? Do you think he was given that title shot a little too quickly, or do you think? Because yeah, Alec- I, Alexander Gustafson is hurt, that that was their their option. I think yeah, they just they just had to go for it and give this guy a chance. Um, I do want to see more of Volkan because uh, he, he doesn't. When people say that he's got the the heavy hands and he can finish fights with his punching power, like I I kind of argue that I'd say that it's not his punching power, but it's his punching technique. He places his punches in the perfect spots, like right above the ear, right in the temple, right in the jaw. And uh, he doesn't even look like he hits that hard. So it's obviously just from you know the naked eye. You should, it's easy to see that his punches are just so perfectly technique, and it's almost you know. See, I was surprising. Looking, I love looking at the stats of these fights because you look at his uh, strikes to significant strike ratio. He had 86 total strike attempts. He hit 42 of them. His significant yeah. strikes. They credited him with 82. So 82 out of 86 were significant strikes, and he got and he hit 38 out of 82. Oof. That means every single one that wasn't counted as a significant strike, he also landed. He was all over mm, DC. Yeah. He was all over to start. Like you could see, DC was a little stunned to start because you know DC's yeah, one disadvantage land. coming into every fight 
is his reach. He's always short on reach. His DC's a really short guy. He's a tiny which helps where and that's where DC eats most of his shots towards the beginning of the fight. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure Vulcan caught him with something and it opened up a cut. Oh, yeah, uh, I think so. On DC's eye. And you could tell DC quickly. was a little stunned about 30 seconds in. He's like, he went, yep. into, he went into protection mode for 30 seconds. And then, you know, once he got his, you know, his mind right again, he said, okay, screw this. We're going to the ground. Well, yeah, right, because that's DC's and, bread and butter, right? And you break it down by round and 41 of, 40, of the 42 strikes that Vulcan hit. All landed in the first round. He got yeah. one strike in the second round out of oh, three no. attempts. Poor guy. Right? Like, <laughs> the second round was all DC, and he dominated. Absorbed 57, or absorbed 55 in that second round. That seems to be the game plan by some of these, you know, lesser-known r- fast risers to go against some of these champions is... Try to catch them. Well, it's not even... Tra- it's, you know, I'm going to just super train up my top skill... You know, same thing with Vulcan and Francis. They kind of fought the same fight. Yeah. It was go after them hard in the first half of the first round, and if I don't get them, then I'm playing. I'm playing catch up, right? And Hope you can't. Yeah. You're playing two of the strongest wrestlers in the in the in the sport, and you're going to play catch up against them. Like I know you're you're it, the bigger it, end. It's it, kind of it seems like a bad game plan, though. That's, but that's that's it's a smart play. Like like, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Sorry, I was just going to say you can't you can't prepare like that for anything in your life. Think of it as like a an exam at school. If you're going to uh, study a quarter, a third of the material, you're going to, you know, expect to be successful at 33% of the test. So, and if that, if you're going to get everything right. So, I mean, if, if you're trying to compare it to other sports, though, like what they're doing is trying to go out hard. That You, you see that with a, lunch, a lot of little teams trying to go up against big guys. Like teams going up against Barcelona, they try to catch them in the first five, 10 minutes because that's the easy mm-hmm. way to do it. Teams going up against. Tampa right now. Well, not that's a bad example because they're not playing well. But they, you got to catch them in the first five Vegas. 10 minutes to get them We're on their hockey heels. reference. We go with Vegas, right? But Vegas, yeah. you can't do that because they play on their heels for the first ten minutes yeah. anyway. Yeah, and um, if you're not successful, your confidence goes straight to zero. Their com- you yeah, your confidence goes down, and their confidence goes way up because they know that they're the better team. Yeah. So they, I get why the play the fighters are doing that, but it and. It worked in the first round, but not the second round for Vulcan. Like, he fell off hard. Overall, it was pretty entertaining, I think. You know, I turned it on, saw a little bit of the Viarte uh, Barroso fight. Barroso, yeah, Barroso fight. But, you know, I was watching that uh, that Cater Burgos fight, and man, Shane Burgos looked good until he got cocky. Until he got cocky. I, I actually didn't even watch that fight. I was watching the. Uh, we were on the, the Bellator one at that point? I was on the Bellator card yeah, at that man. point. Shane Burgos looked good. I'm pretty sure that was a, was that, that was a featherweight fight. It got fight of the night for Calvin Cater's knockout, but man, Shane Burgos looked good, and I'm like, this is the next challenger. And then he dropped his hands, did that little head nod in, and yeah, got I clipped. Yeah, I saw the, uh, the finish. He got clipped. That was a crazy finish, going. too. I was like, man. I was like, buddy, you just right. you just burned a chance because that, that, he would have been a quick riser in featherweight with no um, with no real, let's see, I don't think there really is a contender in featherweight right head now. Right. You got Aldo and, well, you got Holloway there, so there's a bit in that division, but that uh, that definitely didn't help him, so... I got. To, let's pop into the upcoming events, and then I have two interesting scenarios I want to run by. So I think, and I don't know about you, but I think the next big event comes up in in April, with the next big, really interesting fight is Tony Ferguson versus Habib Nurmagomedov. You're also heated yeah. about this one too. I know you don't. Well, it's just a really interesting scenario, and we'll get to that. And you know, I I have seen Habib hasn't fought in a lot recently because he's picking his fights, which is smart on his end. 
But I think that's got to be a crazy fight. That you know, if you're looking for potential fight of the year, Tony Ferguson is is a great all around fighter, and Habib is you know right up there with Daniel Cormier for the best wrestler in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. That's I honestly would even like to see. I guess could be even DC or so far away from each other's weights, but there's just a way to see those guys because they really are the two best at uh, wrestling in the UFC. And it's so good that when people, you know, if they're skilled in jujitsu, it's just, it's rendered pretty much uh, useless against them just because they're wrestling so good. They're so strong on the ground and they know how to get to positions where you'll be susceptible to some heavy ground and pound. Well, just like uh, Habib's last fight against Michael Johnson, I felt bad watching Michael Johnson no. just get pummeled. I watched that, and Michael Johnson was like, arm. pretty much, yeah, he pretty much tapped out. Like, if you could see a guy mentally tap out, Johnson mentally tapped out and just started eating punches yeah, for right know, around. To be honest, why? Like, I know he was about to break his arm, but I didn't. I didn't see Johnson tap. He must have said something like, "I think he audible tapped or, or something." Yeah, I think is what was like close that. there, but that was pretty close. <laughs> his arms were too tied up to even tap. <laughs> yeah, he got dominated. So I want to float the scenario. We talked about this off air a little bit. The interesting situation that's going on in the lightweight division right now. So to catch people up, yes. Conor McGregor is the listed champion at lightweight. Hasn't mm. fought since the who did he, he took that from Eddie Alvarez, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So he hasn't fought since he beat Eddie Alvarez. So Tony Ferguson beat. Um, who did he beat? Did he beat? Uh, he beat Alvarez for the interim title. I believe. Was it Alvarez? Uh, or? Sorry, which, no, 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 uh, Tony Ferguson beat uh, Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee. Okay, so yeah. Ferguson is the interim champion. So this fight yes. between Ferguson and Habib is listed for the lightweight title. Not interim, okay. lightweight title, from oh, what okay. I was reading, is what they were saying on yeah. the broadcast. But they're not stripping Connor. So whoever wins, yeah, there will be so two confusing. active champions at lightweight, which I, I don't comprehend. You know, I think, I don't know about you, I'm going to give my opinion, but I think either strip Connor. Or make them fight. They have, correct? They I have think that's to strip them at this point. Like, if you, you can't have two normal titles. You, one's got to be interim and you unify them. Like, what's the point of having two titles? Because then, you know, they've asked Habib and Tony. They're like, I don't know. We've been told we're fighting for a fight. Fighting for a title. No interim. And, <laughs> okay, they're both. <laughs> but then yeah. they asked if they're stripping yeah. Connor, and they haven't said anything. So what do you think about that? Oh, I think Dana said that he's going to wait until leading up to the fight. I think so. This fight scheduled for April, April seventh. So yeah, gonna, I believe he's going to wait for uh, that date, and he's using that date. It seems as the deadline for McGregor to either defend or vacate. If he says, "Hey, I want in on this," then they'll probably give. There'll be a unification. Yeah. Yes. That puts or, Connor or in an awful make spot. It the interim fight, and then the next, the champion after that Tony and Khabib fight will fight Connor. Oh yeah, that that puts Connor in an awful spot How? because. Because Connor matches up terribly with Habib. Yeah. Absolutely terribly. He would get destroyed. And not, he doesn't match up very well with Tony Ferguson either. They're pretty equal. Either way, he's not matching up well. So either he has, I think, he, so I either, think Dana needs to make it before the fight. You can't you can't decide after. Well, no, it's not going to decide after. He'll decide before. But I think Connor's in a tough spot because, you know, Connor wants, Connor wants to have multiple belts. But to keep the belt at lightweight, I'm going to predict Habib wins just of how def- dominant he is. Connor wants no business with Habib, and all Habib wants is Connor. And I think uh, Dana's the type of guy to be two steps ahead of you know what's actually going on. And 
it's funny because the WWE will actually run their program like that with being three, four shows ahead yeah. for the storyline. And Dana tries to do that, but when you're using the same model on a real sport, it's all, you can't predict what's going to happen. Well, especially with injuries. Exactly. Hey, WWE is a real sport. Come on. <laughs> so, last question on the lightweight division or featherweight slash lightweight. Does Connor ever go back to featherweight? I'd say no. I think his next uh, fight is going to be. So, I've also heard through some people that uh, UFC is right now trying to book a show in Moscow, Russia in September. So, I wonder why. I, yes, I wonder why. Uh, that Tony Ferguson fella sure has a. He's Russian the one, right? He's, he's the reason that they're doing it. No. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, that's what I mean. I think Dana's just a bit ahead of himself right now. And sure, it would be a great event, but I, I just want to see what happens. I want to see it one step at a time. And I think 99% of the fans do, at least the non casual fans that, you know, care about the day to day goings on of. Are look yeah are so, looking more than one event at a time. They kind of look as how does like who if who, this guy wins where does that wins, set what happens right after that sort of thing yeah. So one other thing let's let's go into our boy, the, the local boy well two local boys we'll hit on both of them we're both Canadians let's Good start with Canadian let's boys? let's do a quick shout out to Rory McDonald who finally got his oh. championship finally got his title won the welterweight belt in Bellator in an absolute oh, war my. with what a win. Damian Lima, or what was his first name? Do you remember Douglas? Douglas Lima. I didn't see much of that. I saw some of the highlights of, of McDonald just battered. He he can't go through a fight without getting battered, eh? But yeah. no, good old is, Canadian he, boy. He's used to hockey. You're but good, to you you can you can talk on that one. fight quickly. But uh, good for Rory. He he took a big chance leaving the UFC because they they treated him like crap. And but know, he's getting his worth. I he, think he's he, getting his worth. He's happy. I think is what matters most. He's dominating guys in Bellator, but he's. But he's putting on good fights. He's not just, you know, like you got to give Bellator some credit here. They do have a good roster of fighters in that division. I think the welterweight division for them is their strongest division. They're trying to put the heavyweight division on the map with this big uh, tournament that's that's going on. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. uh, But yeah, after just taking a look at McDonald's leg after he ate some of those leg kicks and just watching him just eat a leg kick and then just fall to the ground. I can't help but just well, flash, flashes back to that. that Robbie Lawler fight. That's still one of the my favorite fights of all oh, time. Yeah. That's one of the greatest fights I've ever seen. He was minutes away, in my opinion, from winning that title, but yeah. his nose just exploded. His nose exploded. Him. Lawler's lip was almost completely split. But that, yeah, that was well, a war. Yeah, it was split. Yeah, it was like flapping in the... Yeah. Sorry, can I uh, speaking to Rogan? Can I just cut in? I just saw the uh, fight before the McDonald Lima fight in the Bellator uh, thing. Chael yeah, Sonnen. Aaron Pico. Oh, that no, was, it's the that was the, la- that was the last one. Oh, that was the main event. That was the main event. Was, yeah. Okay, sorry, that I was, didn't know what order it was. Yeah, in, that but. was them saying, "Hey, here's two old guys that you still <laughs> care about." Okay, hold on. They were fighting each other like five, six, seven years ago in UFC. What happened? I thought Chael saw. Once they stopped letting Chael run, once they stopped letting Chael run his mouth on TV, he's like, "I need to make a little more money." Yeah, holy. Well, yeah, moly. Chael was openly on the. Performance enhancing drugs. <laughs> that does not and surprise me one really, bit. What was your first clue? <laughs> After he, uh, or when he was calling out Anderson Silva, he had the classic, again, wrestling style promo where he said, 
Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. Let's let's put a you know a little wager on this. If I win, you're leaving the division. But if you win, I'm quitting the UFC. And from what I remember, yeah, Chael missed that spinning back fist in the second round, I think, against in his second fight against Anderson Silva and. I'm pretty sure from there he went on to leave the UFC. Yeah, I just but, uh, I, I just saw that. Happy I trails. Happy trails, chill, son. Um, so let's move into our other Canadian friend, Georges Saint-Pierre. Oh, I know about him more. Georges. Um, so he's in a bit of a predicament. He's got his, his colitis he's dealing with, so he's vacated the middleweight belt. That now belongs to Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker was supposed to fight Luke Rockhold, in his hometown of Australia, well, his home country of Australia on Feb 10th. And that fight is now UL Romero versus uh, Luke Rockhold for the Luke interim Rockhold. title. And again, this is just the, another division that's kind of up in the air. Held up. Yeah. And all the fighters are kind of in a rest period right now. And again, injuries add that to the mix. And it's just a, it's, in my opinion, that's a weird matchup for the. Interim championship yeah. fight. Romero to me. Two guys coming off of. Romero to me is the second scariest guy in, in physically in the UFC. He was yeah. before Ngannou came in because if you've ever if you look at him, his technique is the things he does is crazy. I think him and just physique wise, him and uh, Ngannou are right up there. But I think I don't think Absolutely. that's a great. I know Rockhold's a pretty good grappler and a wrestler, but I don't think that's a very good matchup for Rockhold. It's I. Don't know. I so Rockhold fought Branch, David Branch, which I've never seen anything. Uh, I've never seen him fight before that last fight. No, I mean, and honestly, Rockhold, it was a good tune-up fight, but I don't know if we saw his full ability there that fight. So hopefully, he's sparring hard right now. I know he was training Volkan Ozdemir for his past fight. With well, DC. I think they were saying again. for a while that he was uh, Ozdemir was Rockhold's sparring partner, wasn't he? No, it was uh, someone Rockhold else. Was DC's partner. Then he switched camps. Ozdemir was someone's. Um, he was sparring uh, Anthony Johnson. That's who it was. Yeah, it was Rumble. And as J- on JRE, they're saying he would his behind given to him every practice, but his mindset was that he would just keep coming back, keep coming back, no matter what. Uh, learn a little bit every day, and you know, try not to get too injured. But he had the mindset of being a champion, even though he wasn't getting the results he wanted. But, uh, yeah, again, we already talked about Volcan, but I think he'll come back uh, just as strong. So do we think George's next fight is still in middleweight? No. Um, you think he goes back down? Absolutely. So what I was hearing before the GSP fight was that GSP's colitis was still, it was undiagnosed, but he was still experiencing the full range of symptoms. Even during his training camp, I was hearing he was throwing up constantly during his training camp. He was unable to eat some days. He was unable to, unable to train some days. Yeah. And he, uh, it, it was due to him jumping up in weight because he was required to eat a lot more. And I guess his body going through, you know, the workout that he was used to, but with extra weight on him, but while simultaneously trying to keep gaining weight, or not just gain weight, but kind of manage the weight. It just wasn't healthy for his digestive system. Or Yeah, and that's I not something that... That's what it was. I don't think that colitis is something that you can just up and cure. That's something no. you have to manage, right? So that is a good point. 
I'm of him going I'm back down. I don't know if he's gonna if he should fight again. Well, I don't think that's a life threatening thing, and I think no, but just because it's so hard to train when you have something like that, like you you can't be out there every day. You have yeah, to be like. But I think for three, George, maybe four times a week. For George, I think he needs it. You I know, think he needs to train. I just don't George, think he George can is, fight. You, George has, has constantly said he hates the fighting part, but he loves to death the training oh, and the, and I, the that's working what I mean. out. I, do, I think he should train. Right. Keep training for the rest of his life. But I don't, I don't know if he needs to fight. I don't think he needs to. Well, I think... I don't think he needs to either. He doesn't need uh, to. That's like He's cemented himself. He's the top not, not even, Mount not Rushmore even to to of the UFC. He cemented himself at the top. I don't think he needs to fight just for his own sanity. Like, he... He could step away, and he has no issue stepping away. He's done it before. I think, you know, I think he would want to, you know, if I'm getting into his mindset, he, you know, ran the welterweight division for oh, yeah. a no, long I, I'm time. Not and I think, I'm just... you know, if he wants to go out, you know, he definitely could go out now when no one's going to say anything. You know, he won his title. He came back. Yeah, he came and, back after how long of a break? You know, but I think, you know, even in having listened to Rogan talk to Tyron Woodley, you know, that's what Woodley wants. Woodley wants GSP and nothing else. He doesn't want to fight Thompson yeah. no, again, even though those were great matchups. Dos Anjos really has no business with Woodley right now. And, you know, Lawler fought just recently. And, Robbie. you know, there really is no one else at welterweight that's worth a title fight to risk for Woodley. Is there a matchup between Dos Anjos and anyone? I, um, I think Dos Anjos is, was supposed to fight soon. Let me see if. There's anything upcoming. I don't he's see. Got, he's got nothing on his card right now upcoming. No, I think he was supposed to have something, and I think as they were planning it, someone got hurt, so they didn't even get into the, you know, that there was no actual contract or, or anything signed. But mm-hmm. I think that's the thing. I think Woodley has no problem waiting for GSP yeah. because I think they were looking at timelines for some of the next possible events, and I think he was looking at the next time they go back to New York Yeah, would be where Woodley wants to fight. Right, and I think yeah, absolutely. And I think that would be. I think that's in June. They were saying is is the summer of kind of I think yeah, rough range. Like if I I don't remember this is listening to a Joe Rogan podcast is is the next scheduled event supposed to be in New York. So I kind of agree with you that that's Woodley's next fight. And I think you know they have Colby Covington ranked number three in that division. I've never seen yeah. Colby Colby Covington. I think he needs to go through someone uh, like I think he needs to go through someone he needs like Damian do you, but I think, who, yeah, I think maybe he should go through Robbie Lawler first, just to see like if you can beat Robbie Lawler, then you deserve like to be in, in the big of the division because that Robbie Lawler is you know one of the greatest welterweights of all time. And man, you're gonna if you go four or five rounds with throw three rounds with Robbie Lawler, then you oh, earn a yeah, lot of respect. That's the story you're gonna be telling your grandchildren. That's right. quite a feat just but to survive. If um. You know, even if um, if Woodley wins, where does Woodley rank in the welterweight rankings of all time? If he can beat GSP, the greatest oh. welterweight of all time, he's debated that. Like, no, I, I, no, I'm not they debated it on Rogan debated it with top. him, and he said, "Man, you're right. Like, you are like if you beat the greatest, kind of makes you right up there." But here's my question: If beating GSP now. Is it worth as much as when he was fighting at his best? Like he's again, he's battling colitis. He's battling well, a whole bunch of stuff. If he if he comes back and fights Woodley, would Woodley winning mean as much had it been five years ago? I think it would because you're still beating one of the greats. I'm not I'm not saying it wouldn't be great for right? Woodley. 
and push him up the rankings, but does it make him better than GSP at GSP's best? GSP's and you know, physical wise, I don't think it's because GSP was coming off an injury or something. You know, no, I know. I don't think. I don't know. I think. I'm just saying that's with him tough. Battling colitis to come into that fight, it might be diff- a different. I, I, th- I think it. Yeah, that's pretty. It, it does. That's that's a tough decision, and you know, I don't know what Woodley does if GSP doesn't come down or doesn't fight in the next six to eight months yeah. because he's got to fight someone kind of so what makes sense to me is that i'd like to see colby covington versus uh dos Andros next uh and then finally the winner of that will face thompson so that's kind of like a two fight period if you want to give it like four months for the training camp of preparation for one fight that you know, that's like, eight, we're, we're looking at eight months right now yeah, before so you're looking at, Woodley's going to even start talking to get a fight. Yeah, but so you're I looking hope. At, oh, Woodley's also recovering. I forgot to mention that. Woodley's recovering from shoulder yeah. surgery, so but he can't even fight until about three, June. And then a winner versus one. Sort yeah, of thing. so that's I'd why. I'd like to see Woodley take on GSP uh, if they're both able to somehow become healthy enough. To I think, yeah, Wood, Woodley's recovering from shoulder, shoulder surgery where they, they put a lot of stem cells in there. He knew his shoulder was kind of wrecked, so he... I think it was saying when I was listening to this podcast that came out, you know, a couple of weeks ago or close to a month ago that he was looking to train in about three to four weeks and would have been ready to go full, ready to go for any fight, you know, roughly around June. That's fair. Yeah, I remember hearing that too. So, uh, you yeah. know, anytime mid to end summer, if GSP, you know, can so, kind yeah, of find the right balance and wants to make that fight, then, you know, I think that's a pretty good matchup on paper evenly. You know, they're both really good on the ground. Tyron's more a better wrestler, but GSP's got, you know, a lot of the Muay Thai and a lot of the, the grappling, mm-hmm. and it'd be a very good competitive thing. And, you know, Woodley's got a strong right hand, but GSP's, you know, really good in the clinch. So I think that would be a really tight matchup. Absolutely. All right. And, wanna... again, that June-July timeline is matches up very well with, uh, again, Dana likes to put on big shows for International Fight Week. Yeah. Which is uh, it's July. I'm not really sure when, but um, June and July. So that again could be announced in June, when we could possibly expect it to happen in July. Okay, before we go, I got one question for you guys. Welterweight division all time. I have I have this mate fight matrix thing up. Where do you think they rank? Yeah, GSP and Woodley. Well, GSP's one, and if he's not one, I'm. Don't go to that site ever again. <laughs> GSP one. GSP has to be one. GSP's I think one. it's so hard when you're ranking all time. All time. I think, you know, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and guess top five here. I'm gonna be a little risky, so I'm gonna say Woodley's one. No, GSP is one. Sorry, sorry, that's what I meant. Sorry, GSP is <laughs> one. You just said that. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other greats. I'm just gonna spoot some names and tell me if they hit it. Robbie Lawler, anywhere up there. Carlos Condit. Yep. Sixth. Six, just outside. Um, you can chime in with any names here, Jeff. I'm trying to think here. Matt Hughes. Oh, Matt Hughes Matty for Hughes sure. Matt Hughes too. Matt Hughes for sure. Attaboy. Um, you're missing two. Was Forrest was Forrest Griffin a welterweight? No, he wasn't. No, he's not on this list. No, he probably he was a little bit. He was heavier. He was bigger. Johnny nope. Hendricks had a. Johnny Hendricks has oh. to be four. Oh, he was four. Johnny five. Hendricks five. So Woodley's got to be four. Or he's not in the top. Yeah, Woodley's four. Um. McDonald, they have him ranked tenth. That's pretty yeah, respectable for a guy that. Hey, good for him. Got out, but that's put, pretty I'd solid. I put him. I put McDonald at three or four. Wow. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, for me it goes 
for most entertaining, uh, he definitely he had a no, lot of no, wars. No, no, like, I just all time. I remember like a majority of that fight with him and Robbie Lawler. Like that yeah. was a fight where I just sat down, kept my mouth shut, and <laughs> well, was here, just you guys like. Want me to read the top ten then quickly? Sure, go for it. Okay, sure. G- GSP, Matt Hughes, Robbie Lawler, Woodley, Hendricks, Condit, uh, Pat Militic, John yeah. Fitch, Jake Shields, and R- Rory McDonald. Mm, okay. See, a lot of those guys, I don't really, but in the bottom half, I don't recognize because I wasn't a fan. Those guys were you'll, like OG welterweights. You get Nate Diaz at 12, BJ Penn at 13, uh, Tiago Alves is at 17. Yeah, BJ Penn fought in like freaking four weight classes throughout his year career. He went up yeah. and down and everywhere. So. And Lima checks in at 35. Oh, he actually fought in the UFC? There you go. Lima. No, this is all, I think this is all time. Oh, MMA, all time. So. Okay. All right. I well, really think that some of the Bellator guys deserve more respect. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. It's on the rise, man. They've done, you know, UFC, done t- UFC took them for granted, and they really said, you know what, we're going to build this our way, and they are really starting to compete. And, you know, and the, the, the UFC's got to watch capitalized out. Where, uh, Bellator is capitalizing where UFC was uh, slacking. Uh, Bellator was able to put on good cards, yeah. hire great commentators, UFC, people were complaining about the commentary ever since Mike Goldberg left. Even well, they did just pick up Jimmy Smith. While he was there. They did pick up Jimmy Smith. They did Smith. pick up Jimmy, Jimmy Smith. Bellator yeah. dropped Jimmy Smith, who was like the Mike, the Joe Rogan for Bellator. So. We got two Joe Rogans now. Hey, man. Any extra Joe Rogans is great. <laughs> Good point. Okay, buddy. We really appreciate it. We're going to uh, let Anytime, you go here. Guys. We'll definitely have you on again in the future. Um, but uh, any last words? Uh, I would have if I had anything planned, but no, thank you very much for having me on. And yeah, I would absolutely love to come back sometime. So uh, keep it up. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thank you for coming on. Have a good one, buddy. Anytime, guys. Take it easy. See ya. Thank you, Jeff, for uh, joining us on that. Uh, this 40 solid minutes of UFC talk. I think that's more than I've we, ever We could have kept going. If you're, ever, if you're ever sick for a podcast, buddy, you know what's coming on. We're doing another oh, MMA show. Woo. Yeah, you're just going to have to steal all so now, the recording equipment. Yeah, so now we're going to have to do uh, speed rounds here. Yeah, I will. Sports, sports, sports. Done. You ready? Okay, so this weekend. Let's okay. go to dun, 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 dun. Niffle. Niffle playoffs. Yeah, so. The Cheaters won again. Oh, that was a good game, though. It I was. Ga- it was a good game. I, I have no issues with them winning that and, game. And, you know, it, people listening, who thought at half, oh, he may do it. Oh, oh everyone. I don't <laughs> trust them. Everyone did, but the thing is, they still almost pulled it off. Like they, Tim Brady, man, Tim Brady, good old Brady. I, I he play, he played really well. He did, but he picked he picked his spot. You know what? Sometimes I don't understand people's game plans. New England adjusted at half, and you know you watched once Gronk went down, you had to cover Cooks. That was it. You know, Amendola did a pretty decent and, job. No, they didn't. I'm sorry, they didn't because you know he had AJ, a couple big plays, but that was it. But he also drew two pass interference I know, penalties. That was wrong. Um, you know, Boye, who touts himself as one of the best corners, hadn't given up a touchdown until all season until Antonio Brown had a really bad game. He did. He had a bad game. He was so I think, far I off. Think he even said that. After, Cooks so. Cooks was way faster than Boye, and it took them till the end of the third quarter to realize, hey, let's put Ramsey on him, and you know, Jalen Ramsey literally held Chris Hogan to like two catches for like six yards. I think right? the reason that they kept. 
Ramsey on the other side was because Gronk kept lining up on the other side in the first. Yeah, but half. even so once Gronk was made, gone, going into the third, but they didn't know. Yeah, right but away. you you know, like if the sideline reporter can report that Gronk's out, then no, but they didn't, the Jags they didn't would know until halfway through the third quarter, right? So they wanted to make yeah, sure. Yeah, but you can they make wanted the, to make sure, and I I understand that. Then they moved Ramsey over and he did well. Yeah, but you can make a scheme change. Like once Gronk comes back, then you move Ramsey back out. Exactly. But you know, Amendola is going to get his catches in the slot. You know, that's not something Boye Ramsey match up with. Yeah, but you fine. had to put Jalen Ramsey, who's the fastest defender on the field, on the fastest receiver. Yeah. Boye was getting burned, and Cooks burned them late. I, I, I'm not denying that. Right? I agree. And I, agree. They, I think they wasted Jalen Ramsey. You know, it's one thing to have a shutdown corner that doesn't get thrown on him, but you got to put him on the best receiver. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not, I'm not arguing that. And, you know, Doug Marone, you know, they didn't really adjust on defense. You know, they, they couldn't. You know, they did a decent job on Gronk throwing Ramsey sometimes on the inside and doubling him, but I don't think they did enough a good enough job adjusting in the linebacking core for some of the crossing routes because you know Brady's fallback is the short crossers. Yeah. And the linebackers were looking too far in the backfield. I know. I know. They weren't I doing know. a great job. So I know. You know, I'll I've, give it to Blake Bortles. I'll give it to Blake Bortles. Hell of a crash. hell of a game from him. I still don't think he's the quarter like I still think they need that a better I still think he's gone in the off season. Well, Case Keenum came down earth a little bit, but the Eagles were pretty outstanding. Um, oh, the Eagles played great. We'll get to that one after, though. Yeah. I just think, you know, Jacksonville had their chances. The He's not, you know, because when you have to manage a game, manage with a guy. Now, with a defense like that, you don't have to rush and pay for your quarterback. You could draft a guy and play around because, you know, with that defense, you can, you know, you can mix and match with people and just get enough points to win, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, Patriots did it again. What's new? So Again, it, it was a great game. It was the best of the two games on the weekend. Well, yeah. Competitiveness, yes. I, I think the Eagles, Eagles was even that good. I think the Eagles, well, the Eagles showed you a lot. The Eagles showed a lot. They showed a lot. And the fact that they're going into the Super Bowl once again, five and a half point dogs. Biggest underdog to start betting lines in Super Bowl history. Now, a couple years ago, with the card, like when the Cardinal, was it the, no. Cardinal Steelers was the biggest line they were talking about, but a couple years ago, someone went in it. So the week started at ten or something. No, I, I heard this was the largest opening. Well, there's another line that moved to a big number. Yeah, it, it might have moved to a bigger ago. number, but I think starting um, line, this was the biggest. So. I think that you know we said the same thing about the Jags defense, but Full showed a lot, and the Patriots defense seems to pick up towards the second half, but. The Patriots defense has nothing on that Vikings defense, and Foles tore them apart. The Vikings defense didn't play great. But he still tore them apart, and the combination of okay. Nelson Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Torrey Smith, the three options. the three headed machine at running back. You have options. Exactly, and right. The Patriots defense, I'll give them credit. After the first four games, they picked it up, but they're not on the same level as the Vikings. And that that you know that's what you it'll want. be interesting. I it, think it'll be a good game. It's going to come down to the time of possession. Because the Jags held the Pats off the field in the first half, and they looked good. Doing it was about eighteen to thir- eighteen they to eleven. Good doing it right, and then time of possession swung. And when Brady starts to break you down, when is when he has time to is when he down? can break is when he can tire you out, and start to get guys running east west where you can't catch them because you're tired. And then he goes over the top, right? And I think the Eagles secondary is not nearly as good as the Jags secondary, but the Jags are the Eagles are a little bit more solid and even up front and yeah. in the linebacking core. So that'll be a big thing. You know, 
Brady's hand's not going to be a problem. Yeah. He's going to he's going to rest up and that's all going to be clean cuz he's got 2 weeks. Everyone's going to remember Super Bowls 2 weeks from now in February. So, um, you know, I'm going to pick the Eagles because I have to pick the Eagles. We're we're going to we'll talk more about that Super Bowl next week. Like I mean, we're I Oh yeah, we'll come in a little bit next week, but um overall it's, you know, the city of Philly, stop climbing those light poles. Yeah. That's always Cops yeah, I love that Chris story. Going light poles. I love that story. Um Yeah, I, I got nothing else to add to that. Like Philly looked good. They, Philly looked really good against a Viking team that I thought was good. They just didn't show up, so hey, more power to them. Um let's flip over to the hockey. And uh a couple big stories from this week. I'll I'll give you your pick. I'll I'll say all three, you tell me what you want to talk about. Colorado streaking, Vegas standings, or D-men injuries? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I mean, I'm giving you They're all kind of even. You know, the Vegas story to me isn't as much of a, you know, people keep saying, well, Vegas keeps doing it. I'm like, guys, why are you still surprised by this? I, I'm I'm not, I'm starting right? not to be. If I'm they just, start I'm to fall off, I'll be story. surprised. It's a great story. Right? You know, Colorado's interesting. Having watched some of the Leafs game tonight, you know, I think they're just riding a high, and teams are still underestimating them. But, you know, they're... Who won? The, the Leafs just lost 4-2 to Colorado. Oh, that's a friggin' ref called off. <laughs> Puck's behind Bernier by a foot. How was that a... Well, uh, whatever, <laughs> just continue. Continue your thought. I'm sorry for interrupting. Uh, now you just made me mad. Um, But, like... Screw you, Colorado, NHL like, refs. Kay, Screw I, you. I'm going to be... I'm going to say my unbiased opinion of Colorado... I, I love Colorado, so take this with a grain of salt, but I'm going to try to be as unbiased as I possibly can. They're an entertaining team to watch this year. For the first time in a long time, they're actually entertaining. They have speed coming up from the front end. They have puck-moving defensemen for the first time in uh, ever. Uh, so they're actually entertaining. Ever? Ray Bork? Hello, Adam Foote? Hello? I know. I'm saying I was being facetious. Thank you very much. Hello? Yes, we had championship teams. But they're on a they're on a record streak here that is pushing their franchise record. They're now one back. They have ten after the win tonight. They're one back of the franchise record of eleven. Like they're good. They're they're not I don't know if they're gonna compete for a cup this year. I don't know if they're gonna compete next year. I don't know if they're even gonna make the playoffs this year. But I still they're a think, good team. I still think it's a pipe dream. They got a lot of guys that are reaching on their performance right now, like well, they, sh- they show the starting lineup. Like, let's see who was in the lineup tonight. Like, you got guys like the starting lineup. I you know have, who was the so starting who, lineup. Tanato, Bork, Nemeth. Like, you got guys El, that. Well, Tanato's not supposed to be there. He's filling in. But you got guys like that. You got Kerfoot's going to tire out. College guys notoriously tire out in the second half of the season. That's why I said I don't you even got, know if they make the playoffs. You got Nail the Snail out there. Yes, but he's playing at where yeah. he should be. Just nail the snail. He nail. He shows up. He scores a goal. He screams like tonight. But he's not. He's not that top end talent that he was pegged to be. But he's right? a good second. Like line I think player. they're gelling right now. But I think when push comes to shove, some of what they got out there right now. I know they're out Tyson Barry right now. Uh, let's see what else is listed on their injuries. They're out Barry Varlamov. Colin Wilson are the big ones there. Andrew Gatto's played really well. Yeah, I like, just he's, think he's a good third line player. You know, they so. figured it out right now, and I think. You know, McKinnon said that it wasn't chirping Duchesne, but he said the, everything just kind of lightened up in that room when he went because all the pressure kind of came yeah, off. And it's fine. They went with it. and But they're, 
they're getting good play from players. Like again, I don't they know are. if they make I don't know if they make the playoffs this year. Well they're on but pace they're for a hundred they're on pace for a hundred points. They're on pace for the second well, wild right card now, spot. Yeah. And the fact that the second wild card spot is a hundred points is pretty crazy in the it's, West. I don't think it's gonna last. I don't think it is gonna be a hundred points by the end of the season. I think it's probably I think with a three point game, the way everything's going right now, I think it's uh but like they have a bunch of young pieces. They're gonna be good. I'm tr- again I'm trying to stay Unbiased. I just I just look to the credibility of some of the young pieces. No, I know. That's I fine. think I, I agree. You know, they still have to show more, but I they think have they need pieces. a bunch of pieces still, in the sense that oh, you know, they do. Kerfoot. Like, there's some guys that are, you know, their strength is their back. End I they, I think there's still a minimum of three years from contending. Yeah, a minimum. That's because that's, they need to find a goalie. That's I'm what sorry, I was saying. Farlamov and Bernier aren't the answer. I don't know what they have in the system. Uh, um, if they have, I don't know actually. A goaltendee, a goaltendee, attendee, attendee, attendees in the system. So, they're interesting. Um, another interesting case. Um, yeah, I guess D-man injuries. I know the big one. Morgan Riley just went down for Victor the Leafs. Hedman. Hedman went down. McAvoy's out for two weeks after undergoing surgery on his heart. Ooh, didn't hear that one. That was today. Like, there's a couple that have. That Leafs one is going to be big because with no Zaitsev. Um, you know they don't They're really have much to turn to. All star break, so that's a, a little that's bit like five days. Um, but you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Leafs trading a bunch to go for it this year. And you know they're smart; they're not going to push, but they do need to pick up more than a, you know, Roman Polak type defenseman. They they need to pick up a top four or five yeah. guy because you know a first round exit this year is not the end of the world. But no, you know we want to see some progress, and you know they got to be able to go pick up. Um, you know, they got to pick up a little something extra on the D. I don't really have any. Let's see if we can pull up some trade bait here. I was, I want to do a trade segment after the All-Star break. That'll be coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But, yeah, like, there's – they need something. I don't know what, but they need something. Let's, let's go, computer. So the first defenseman on that list is Mike Green. Still got six, he's six million this year, so he'll be at about two and a bit come the deadline, or just under two. The Leafs can eat that and give up pretty much nothing. He's a free agent at the end of the year. Um, you know that's a player I wouldn't mind acquiring. No, I'd be okay with. He that. slots in pretty well with, um, you know, he could slot in kind of well with Hainsey. You know, it's kind of hard to see how they play. I wouldn't necessarily put him with Gardner, even though he has become more of a stay-at-home guy over the last couple of years. Maybe Green and Riley's your pairing, Hainsey and Gardner. Yeah. And then, you know, the way Dermott's playing, I don't see him going back down. Um, you know, you can kind of play with that. But other than that, you got a few right-handed defensemen on the on this trade board. And, you know, Erica Branson would be an interesting case, too, another UFA. You know, these guys you're not necessarily going to look to resign unless they want to stay. And then you sign up to cheap, right? It's like, hey, you want to stay. Here's our price. If you don't want to take that price, then move on, right? Ian Cole's an interesting one yeah. from the Penguins. Yeah. Because he's fallen out of favor there, so you're not giving up. You're going to give up scraps to get him. Yeah. Right? And it was kind of the same thing when they picked him up. Him and Hainsey played together last year. That could be a really good shutdown pair, a penalty-killing pair. Um, that would be an interesting one. And, you know, he's a pretty good, you know, team guy. Jack Johnson's another interesting guy. He's another UFA. A lot of these guys would be decent, you know, you know pickups. Tyson Berry is the interesting one. He's all the way at the bottom. It's kind of a long shot package thing, but that would be something that would solve another, like an extra year of a problem. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's a Toronto, tough in-season yeah. trade. 
you know, Dion's at 24 on that board. He should be freaking 42. No one's taking Dion and $7 million for two more years. I don't even know why they're floated, but, um, yeah, so those are some of the interesting ones defensively. I don't really think they need anything in the forwards unless you're going for a, another bottom depth guy. Um, but overall, they're not in a bad spot. They're in the good. Div- they're in the weak division, so that allows them to to kind of you know at least yeah, hang yeah. out. They've they're, been banking they're points. Right now, they're grabbing points. You know, they're in a slowly. bad spot this season, but they're not going like five, six regulation losses in a row. Those are the killers. You know, they're at least dragging points out of games where you're you're not freaking out that you're in a landslide. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're in a rough stretch. You know, I think they've lost two in a row was their most last year. I think maybe they've done three this year. I think two regulation is the most. They've yeah. had a combination of regulation and overtime losses, but not consecutive overtime lo- re- regulation losses, which is a big thing, right? You know, you go in your mini streaks, but don't go too much in the red in losses, and You'll survive, right? You just don't be a super streaky team unless you're being super streaky with wins, right? Don't go up and down. Yeah. And you should yeah. be okay. I agree. So I, I think they're they're in a interesting spot right now. If they could turn it around without making a move, they might try to just do that. But they, they have the pieces that they can move people and I think they have some some stuff in the minors that if they're gonna make a, a little bit more of a bigger move, they can. Yeah. You know, a lot of the guys, their their upcoming future guys, are yeah. are not in the AHL, and they're you know they have some guys that they could give up in the AHL that would entice teams, and you know the Leafs eventually can start to trade off a few picks because you know they can trade off some of those mid round picks because eventually you got to let some of those other guys develop. They're really good at drafting the last couple of years, but yeah, you know they can they don't necessarily have to hoard all these picks. They can maybe let one or two of them go. Um, I'd be okay with that. You know, even even a first round pick in a year like this, if it's, you know, if they do decide to go for it and they do a bigger pick pick up for a first round pick, then it's not the end of the world, right? Because we know there's a plan and there's some backup yeah. prospects. It's, you know, it's not, you know, first round picks for Phil Kessel kind of thing where you're like, hey, where's the proof that this is going to work? Like we have some proof that this Phil can Kessel work. <laughs> we have some proof that this can work, and if we, you know, even if we fail out. Well then, we're not back to ground zero, right? No, we're not. We're, back we're not losing our core pieces, so we're staying probably third in the division still. Like, well, yeah, and you know Boston's going to have contract problems. You know they're aging too, right? You know Krejci's falling apart, and you know they put them back together three or four times a season. Another big story would be Boston this year. Yeah, I don't know how they're doing it. You hear what Claude Julian said? <laughs> no, I didn't hear what he said. They asked him after Mon- Boston beat Montreal for the third time in a week and a half. This past week, which is crazy. They played three games in eight days. I want to come back to that. Finish your thoughts. So he just said, they said, uh, uh, hey, I was a reporter. I'm imitating this reporter. That's Sorry, right, dude. Yeah. Uh, hey, Claude, uh, would you have put Bergeron, uh, Marchand, and Pasternak, or like whatever the line was, uh, together if you knew they were going to beat you this uh, these many years down the road? He's like, I was like, well, no. I would have <laughs> done that. He's like, if I know they were going to score goals, I would have kept them apart my whole life. Yeah. Well, right. He's straight up. The team's loves in like six or seven. He's like, no, if I knew they were going to kick my ass, I would have separated them and put one in like the bench. Yeah, right. That's fair. Um, I was going to ask the three the three games Boston beat over Montreal. Do you think that says more about Boston having a good year or Montreal struggling? Montreal. Okay. Each game there was. A, I've one, been asking this question. One in, like, game. One game was over. a complete mess for Montreal. They just just shat themselves. One game was a uh, one game the last the latest game 
Carey Price had a really weak goal that turned yeah. the tide, and I don't remember the the first game. I think they won five one three one and four. One of them was it was a huge disaster. I think it was that five one game, and it was. Let me check. It Hold was on. not I wanna, great. I get this right. The middle game was a pretty competitive game. They lost late, I think. But no, the first sorry, game. it was four three in a shootout. That was the first game, and then it was four one and four one. Yeah, that four one game was more than a four one game. Is what it really um, was playing like. No, I was just curious because I've been asking all over in like NHL groups and no one's given me an answer. And I'm trying to figure out. Well, because I think people just don't care to respond to Montreal this year. They're just like, yeah. pass. Just you let them be them because they're, I think they're bottom three league in worst case scenarios. Like they are in trouble. Yeah. Uh, like, by the way, Colorado has one goalie prospect. Uh, his name's Adam Werner. He's playing really well over in Sweden right now. So. No, like he, like I'm talking really well. So I, I they're hoping that he can one of those Swedes with a Canadian sounding name. Yeah, well, I'm. I, they hope he turns into something big. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there. Uh, any other NHL stories quickly before we go to tire fires? Um, um, to you too. Well, there are some good goals and there are some good, good passes and some good saves. I'm but no, hit you so hard nothing, nothing this. that nothing that stands out to me. That I that I can think of. There's some teams winning and there's some teams losing. Other than that, I think, you know, like I say pretty much every week, Jack Adams, Western Conference. Well, Jack Adams, sorry, it's the same award for the whole league. But Jack Adams, Gerard Gallant, lock it up, sign it. I don't even care if they don't make the playoffs. The guy gets to Jack Adams. Yeah, I, I don't even I'm think. I'm okay with that. If there's anybody that doesn't even vote for him, please let a, like tell tell everyone why. If, you Hey, if, tell if us you don't why. vote for him, send us a message. You we must would love be, to have you You must be like. You must be someone's brother or someone's like we have brother-in-law, you. where you have like a family obligation to vote for this person. Because other than that, I don't um, think Gerard Gallant is not like I've never seen a Coach of the Year award be done before even halfway, and that's pretty much what it was with Gallant. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's wrap this up quick. Tire fires. I had one and I forgot it. Good job. <laughs> I was listening literally this afternoon. Good job. I, I saw a video of a. Um, okay, can I say who won? Well, you can say who won. Let me. Well, I'll think it'll of give one. you time to think. So the winner from last week is not our reigning champion. World Junior attendance is done, man. It's over. The Marcus. Saints, the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> that guy. Saints safety, unfortunately. Sorry, Mr. guy. Williams. He. Uh, he is now our new tire fire, our reigning tire fire champion. He will go up against two more this week. Did you find this video? No, it was a sports play, but I cannot, sports for the play. life of me, find it. Oh, God. It was really funny. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh. Um, well, I can go with the jokes one, then. Maybe we want to... Austin Matthews trying to do a staring contest with Freddie Anderson. Do you see that video? Yeah, I did. And Matthews is legitimately crying, Yeah, laughing. I don't even want to call that tire fire. That's just funny. That's not, that's not a tire fire. That's just that's funny. Just funny. Mine will be posted. Uh, you'll have to stay tuned for mine. You'll see it on the Twitter. Everyone, now you got to go check Twitter. And check. you got to make a video. Yeah. This will be fun, well, too. Check a Twitter, and we'll figure it out, because I need to find something. I can't come up with a spot. So <laughs> last week, I kind of copped out with Freddie Anderson. No, the week before. week last, before was Freddie. Yeah, this last week was easy. I copped out by choosing that one. Yeah, you copped out with that one. So, I, went, I went hard with Laren. Yeah. No votes. So... No love. <laughs> yeah, so let me um, come up with something. Okay, my tire fire is the English transfer window for soccer. Now, there has been some really smart moves from some teams. Manchester United and Arsenal made a very interesting swap for uh, Alexis Sanchez coming to United. 
Henrik Mkhitaryan going the other way. But there's also been some moves that I've just stared at, and I'm just like, what? Um, Michael Petrasso coming back home to Canada kind of scratches my head for from Petrasso's standpoint because I don't think he needs to be here. I need, think he needs to stay over there for his own development. But, hey, what do I know? Um, I, there's a bunch of them. I'll, I'll try to post a couple more, but, like, it's, I think it's just a bit of a joke. Uh, Marcus Edwards on loan to Norwich. What? Like, no. Yeah, man, that's unbelievable. Shut up. I don't know. I know you don't care. But, like, it, it's just stuff that I, I don't understand. I don't get why some of these teams are doing it. Um, and there's also the – I love listening to rumors during the transfer window because they get a month, right? So, for those of you Oh, I found know, it. I actually found it. Okay, can Thanks. I finish my thought? Yeah, then? sorry. I just found it. Thanks, Bar so, Down, for that. you – do you know that in soccer they have one month in January to make transfers? Did you know that? You can't make trade. You can't pick up a player mid-year. It has to only be in January. That's it. I knew it was a month that was around this time. Okay. This is the best time of year for rumors, and I love it. <laughs> it's so funny because people try to make like the dumbest rumors. Like my Neymar's one, going to Real Madrid. Did everyone hear that? My one piece into this is apparently Pierre Aubameyang or Aubameyang on Arsenal will only stay there if he now gets paid as much as Alexis Sanchez. He wants a raise to like 400k a week to yeah. match Alexis Sanchez or he will ask to get out. Doesn't surprise me. Sorry, Aubameyang. Who are you? not there yet. Oh, okay. See, this is my, I, no, my that, piece into the conversation. If, if the deal goes through, he wants that. It hasn't happened yet because <laughs> they suck. Uh, Arsenal is the slowest team when it comes to transfers. They always take like 18 weeks to make one transfer. Arsene Wenger's fault. It's not arson. It's the other people, but whatever. All right. Um, so that's mine. The English. There. I'm just gonna say the yeah. transfer window. Okay. As a. I'm sorry, but every if you haven't seen this video yet, I know this video is gonna win. That's fine. I, I didn't think mine was gonna win, but it is a tire uh, fire. Uh, the video of the Eagles fan trying to catch the subway. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And now there's a second video of the rear angle of him <laughs> running. I saw, I saw them too. Of him running into the post in the subway trying to catch the train and, and he just off and hit the train. He spins and I don't know what happens after, but he just tumbled. So I think he uh, doesn't he bounce off and then hit the train. Yeah, there's a front angle from inside the train, yeah, and now they've released a rear angle of him after. running. And oh man, I saw that, and I was like, you know, all the mayhem going on in Philly after the win—that's jokes. Yeah. This guy's running, and you know, he's not fitting through that pullway in the door. He's a big boy, and well, no, <laughs> he could have. He wasn't looking. He didn't even yeah. see it. <laughs> Tried to cut the corner and <laughs> into the twister. So um, we're gonna call this. Um, we're gonna call this pole. Pole man, no. Yes, I need a catchy name. We'll come up with it. We'll, we'll just come call up with it one. Don't worry. We'll just call it Eagles can't take flight. Eagle down. We'll or go Eagle with that. Eagle takes flight. Yeah. He, he, Maybe he got he got some air on that. We'll, <laughs> go, we'll, we'll go with Eagle down for now. Eagle down is up in there. Eagle down. Green Eagle down. Blackhawk down. Yeah. Rocky, get off the mat. All right. Um. I think that's it. You got anything else you want to add? Quick. You got you got like thirty seconds. Go. Let me put me on the spot like that. Um, <laughs> I know. I love putting you on the spot. No, I don't got much. Let's okay. see. We'll do some Super Bowl talk next week. You know, they're going to do, you know, Monday countdown starting. You know, they're going to do Super Bowl preview shows starting Thursday at 11 in the morning yep. until uh, Sunday. I want to talk next week. Hopefully, we could talk some NBA because their all-star break is coming up. I want to do like a mid mid-season look through. Uh, NHL's all-star break. I want to also look where all the teams are there. So, we, we got a busy week next week, and I'm excited for it. Coolio. Eagle at that point. So. Coolio. All right. So I think that'll do it for us this week. Um, we want to all, th- once again, thank Jeff for coming on. Great. Shout out. 
great 40 minutes of UFC talk. We won't hear from him probably for a while until that uh, UFC 223. Um, but as always, for Justin Rapier, my name is Nick McVicker, and we will see you next time. Deuces. Thank you.